Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Hello everyone, it's here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. I got home the other day. I'm coming up over the stairs. I can hear Cat in the bedroom screaming at the top of her lungs. Stop it! Don't cut that out. Stop. So I ran upstairs. I thought something horrible was happening to mm-hmm. her. And she's got her head out the window yelling at squirrels yeah. on the bird feeder. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to. You're a squirrel. You know? A squirrel. Squ- that's, <laughs> that's hard to say. You're a squirrel scolder. Squirrel spolder. Spid squeezies. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, here's the thing is I put food out for the squirrels and I asked them not to get on the bird feeder because uh-huh. I'm afraid they'll break it. Mm. And so they have their own food. It's not like I'm like, squirrels can't eat. Of course they can. Sure. I, of course I'll put stuff out for them. And and you've explained to them in great detail what, what food is theirs. Yes. And to stay away yep. from the suet. But uh, no not, go. It's not the suet. It's the it's the regular old bird feeder. The, the, the seed. The okay. Seed. All right. So what are, what are your plans? What's your strategy at this point? Um, well, I thought about putting some sort of like lubricant on the pole that they use to climb up to get to the bird feeder. <laughs> Vaseline it down. Something like that. But uh-huh. then I noticed that the grackles use that to hold on while they wait their turn, and well, I don't want to. What are you going to do? I don't do? want to gum up their little. Clawy paws. What are you going to do? I don't know. (laughs) It's a dilemma. I literally don't know. I was greatly relieved that that was all you were screaming about, though. (laughs) Ooh, that was weird. Also, we got some really exciting news just uh, the other day that the Box of Oddities has been nominated for a Webby Award. Yes, it's like the best of the internet, and I don't understand it. So uh, we need your help uh, if we're going to do it. If we're going to represent ourselves in any way at yeah, all. Yeah. Well, if you could vote for us, that would help us uh, move forward in the standings. And uh, there is a link on our website, theboxofoddities.com. It just says Webby Voting. If you could take a moment to do that, that would be outstanding. Thank you. 
Anyway, um, welcome to the Box of Oddities. It's a thing that we do twice a week where we talk about weird things. And here's a weird thing now. Something, this is the first, this is actually the first line that I, I jotted down. Something weird happened. <laughs> but something weird did happen around 11 p.m. on a hot August night back in 1955, just outside Hopkinsville, Kentucky. A local man burst into the police station. He was frantic. He was gasping. And he said, we've been fighting them for nearly four hours and we need your help. Oh. Here's what happened. So a guy, his name was Billy Ray Taylor. He lived in Pennsylvania and he was visiting his friend, Elmer Lucky Sutton. At, yes. At Lucky Sutton's farmhouse. Yes. In the small town of Kelly, Kentucky. I desperately want to have a saloon that I call Lucky Sutton's farmhouse. That's a great idea. I know. Lucky Sutton's Farmhouse. Home of the Big Fat Yeast Roll. For those of you who live in Florida, you'll find that hilarious. I don't uh, there was, I don't even know if they still exist, but when, when I lived in Florida, there was a place called Quincy's Family Restaurant, uh -huh. and their slogan was, Home of the Big Fat Yeast Roll. <laughs> I never thought that was such a good idea. That's terrible. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, this was in Kelly, Kentucky. It was just outside of Hopkinsville. Okay. And as I said, the evening was, was pretty warm. So Billy Ray went out to the well to get some water. It was at this point that uh, something caught his attention. He saw a flash in the corner of his eye. And when he turned around, he saw a streak going through the sky. He said it was, quote, real bright, kind of silver in color, with an exhaust of all the colors of the rainbow. Oh, that sounds beautiful. So this obviously freaked him out. Sure. He hightailed it back inside uh, Lucky Sutton's farmhouse to tell the others, the Sutton family, and his wife that he thought he just saw a flying saucer. Taylor said he could hear a hissing sound coming from somewhere behind the farmhouse as the vehicle appeared to be landing. Oh. <clears throat> Nobody took him seriously. No? No, until the dogs started barking. And then they knew it, well, something is approaching the house, but maybe it's just an animal or... Something. In their description to the police officers, they were able to describe what they saw in pretty vivid and terrifying details. Okay. They said that these creatures were approaching the house. They had oversized heads. They had arms with talons that nearly reached the ground. Talons? Talons. And they said, whatever these things were, they, they seemed to shimmer and glow in the moonlight. Their eyes had kind of a yellowish tint to them, and their bodies glinted like they were made of silver or some sort of metal. That sounds amazing. This is the look that I'm going for anytime I go to a club. Really? Yeah. You want to glitter and shimmer? Yep. With the yellow eyes yep. in the moonlight? Glitter, shimmer in the moonlight, head real big like a cotton swab. So as they watched from inside the house, the creatures got closer and closer. So Sutton... And Taylor both grabbed guns, and it was at this point that they looked back at the window and they saw one of the creatures pressing its face against it. That's when they started firing their weapons. According to their police testimony, these aliens would approach the house slowly and then would retreat back into the woods, and they did this repeatedly. What would be the point of that? <clears throat> Reconnaissance, obviously. Oh, their case on the joint? Yeah. Yeah. So when Taylor and Sutton fired their guns at them. Not knowing what they are. Right. Cool. These uh, creatures seemed to be able to anticipate it. And they would, according to their description, they would flip up into the trees and avoid being shot. Uh-huh. 
<gasps> At one point, Taylor went out to investigate further, and uh, he claimed after the shooting. Yes. Okay. And he claimed that uh, one of these creatures reached down from the tree and grabbed him by the hair. Oh. Just snatched him up bald-headed. So this fight, if you want to call it that, went on for about four hours. Finally, uh, things seemed to calm down. And when that happened, the entire group inside Lucky Sutton's farmhouse uh, rushed to the car. They piled inside and they sped down to get help from the police. So whether or not the police believed that these were aliens from outer space is not really, you know, certain. But what they were sure of was that this group seemed genuinely terrified beyond all means. Okay. One of the men in the group, they, they, they took his pulse, and his pulse was 140 beats per minute. Oh, that is a club song. <laughs> yeah 140 beats per minute that is just about it's a little faster than um billy jean i think that was in around the 127 130 beat per minute if i recall going back to my dj club days <laughs> can we please have a day where we talk more about that yeah you want to like I, all of it? I've got a really cool like picture of me. The hair and yeah, the outfits right, and yeah. the, the ladies. Oh, yeah. Well, they were all over me. <laughs> I know. But uh, <laughs> I was a married man. So <laughs> anyway, Russell Greenwell. Russell, Name was Russell. Russell. So Russell Greenwell, chief of police, along with three other officers, officers went out to Lucky uh, Sutton's farmhouse to investigate. Uh, in their report, the police said they could not find any evidence of, quote, little silver men. No? In the Kentucky New Era, which is a newspaper, the next day, uh, it was said nothing was uncovered during the investigation except for, quote, one officer who accidentally stepped on a cat's tail in the darkness. <gasps> Besides that, there was no further excitement. Oh, my goodness. One of the officers for the police department, who was not in the search party, a guy named uh, Sergeant Frank Dudas, had had his own encounter the summer before with what he thought was aliens. Oh, so he's on board. Yeah, he said, quote, I think the whole story is entirely plausible. I know I saw the saucers. And if I saw the saucers, the Kelly story could certainly be true. In the same article, the other officers were quoted as, being a bit reluctant to give their opinions. Sure. You know, now that I think of it, Lucky Sutton's Farmhouse also sounds like a uh, 1970s singer-songwriter album. <laughs> it certainly does. New from RCA Records, John Denver, Lucky Sutton Farmhouse. His name was Lucky And he had a farmhouse Thank you. Remember back in the day when songs had meaning like that, not like music today? Right, like do ah diddy diddy dum diddy do. Right. Classic lyrics right there. Thanks for that lyrical styling. <laughs> I have all the doo wop wops and all the fa la la la's ready to go for anyone who ever says that seriously to me. Yeah, I think somebody did at one point and you got very upset. It is a ridiculous stance. So not surprisingly, the entire encounter was questioned immediately by people, a lot of the locals doubted the honesty of the Suttons. <gasps> Rude. A lot of the neighbors dismissed the entire event as the product of too much moonshine whiskey. Well, what else are you going to be doing at Lucky Sutton's farmhouse? Moonshine whiskeying. Well. Sutton's mother, Glennie Lankford. Great oh, names. My goodness. She was quoted, quoted as saying, the lies they told about us when it came to drinking. She said, quote, 
They said we were drinking, but I know what I seen. Those things looked like five-gallon gasoline cans with a head on top and little small legs, and it shimmered like bright metal, like my refrigerator. Was she, she, so she claims that they were not drinking. Right. According to the police report, it seemed to confirm that there was no, there were no signs that anybody had been drinking. Oh, okay. See, now that, okay, got so, it. So what happened during the Kelly Hopkinsville incident? Well, Arthur Haas Kanzler. What are you doing? Every single name in this story is amazing. He was a sheriff from a nearby town that also assisted this police group at the Sutton Farmhouse on the night of 1955 during the investigation. He claims that they were all drunk. Oh. And that someone was tossing a cat onto the screen door to scare people inside. Quote, when I saw the Sutton's daughter reach up and pull that cat off the screen and the cat screamed, I knew then that that was the Martian. This, again, was according to an article in the uh, new uh, Kentucky New Era. Now I, my, I'm on a real roller coaster ride mm-hmm, here because mm-hmm. at first I'm like, uh-huh, and then I'm like, oh, yeah. and now I'm like, fuck you guys. Yeah. Well, again, this theory is based on too much moonshine. But according to Joanne Smithy, a local resident, she disagrees. Quote, we all laugh at that idea that they were drunk because Glennie Lankford didn't allow alcohol or even cursing on the property. Oh. The Suttons were a very quiet, trustworthy family. Wait, so Glennie Lanford was the one who didn't allow alcohol on his property and he is the one saying that they were drinking? No, Glennie, no. Glennie Lanford is the mother. Glennie Lanford is the mother. Right. Who is this man? Haas man? Haas? Haas Kanzler. Haas Kanzler is yeah. the one He's a who sheriff. said that they were drinking. Yes. Okay. But didn't the, didn't the police say that there wasn't signs of... Right. The local police force said there were no signs of it. Okay. Haas Kanzler from another town who, oh. who came said that there was. So Haas... Haas. Haas is a higher up and he's trying to keep this on the DL. That's probably it. Exactly. That's what it sounds like to me. Well, a more plausible theory is that <laughs> it could have been great horned owls. <gasps> now, they have long wings... They have glowing eyes. Mm-hmm. Certainly, they've got talons. And they've got talons. round heads. Is it possible that they mistook owls? For four hours, these owls yeah. were attacking this family? It seems a little unlikely. Seems it. But uh, I was looking through some of the police reports and the artist sketches, the depictions of what the aliens looked like. Mm-hmm. And based on the description of the, the witnesses. And I have to say, the artist's depiction does it's owl-like. It is. It Can does, I see it? Yeah, owl, owl-like. Um, owl-ish. Owl-ish. Yes, I would. I would say owl-ish. Right there. See, you can you can kind of like even like the horned owl. Oh wow! Things. They've got it depicted as uh, a creature with big giant ears, but that could if you if you didn't look at the body, <laughs> you just looked at the head. Yeah. You could easily see how that might be an owl. The owls are not what they seem. <laughs> but that's a damn fine cup of coffee. Well, it's been more than half a century, and we still don't know for sure what happened that hot August night in Kentucky. Geraldine Sutton Stith, the daughter of Lucky Sutton, who owned Lucky Sutton's farmhouse, Mm -hmm. said, quote, There are millions of stars and planets in the universe. I can't possibly believe ours is the only planet with life. Now, she wasn't there that night, but she's heard all the family stories. Sure. I mentioned that uh, this received a lot of newspaper coverage, and even though Taylor... And the Suttons described the aliens as little silver men. 
Newspapers all changed it from silver to green because of a lot of the 1920s science fiction depictions of green Martians. <sighs> so they constantly referred to them as little green men, and that's where that saying comes from. Well, that's annoying. Yeah. Today, an annual festival is held. It draws thousands, and it tells the story of what happened at oh. uh, Lucky Sutton's farmhouse. Really? Yeah. The story. There's another reason I want to go to Kentucky. The list is long. The story has been enticing to Hollywood as well. For example, Steven Spielberg's E.T. is said to have its origins in this encounter. Other films as well, like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Signs, Gremlins, Critters, and Poltergeist were inspired by it. Critters. (laughs) There are those who say that uh, the Suttons made the whole story up to profit on it. And they did, in fact, try to charge admission to their house soon after it so people could see where the event uh, happened. This this angered the neighbors, and so they just packed up and left. They permanently moved from, from the town. And to this day, the surviving witnesses, the ones who were there that are still alive, mm-hmm. refused to talk about the Kelly Hopkinsville incident. The only thing we know is for certain is that's where the term little green men came from. Wow. You know that I tend to lean toward the... Uh, scoffing? The, You're a scoffer. I don't want to say I'm a scoffer. But I also don't feel like it's my place to discount someone else's experience. Mm-hmm. So I try to uh, be open-minded. And I feel like there's a lot of real mixed messages from this story. Um, so it's hard. But I have been looking at pictures of owls. And that uh, makes me really happy. So <laughs> Well, good. I'm Look glad. at this owl. <laughs> I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our Aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the Aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. And now, that thing in the middle. Before the Balkan Wars in 1910, Alexa Zdrakovic was given a going-away gift from his mother. She baked him a loaf of bread, but not to eat. It was for good luck. He carried that loaf of bread throughout not only the Balkan Wars, but World War I a total of eight years. The loaf still exists and currently resides in a museum. Did you know that if you spell the box of oddities backward, it says, it says, uh, sorry, our bad. It doesn't spell jack shit. This is the box of oddities. 
The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Adam sent us a message. It says, holy cow, I drive all day and all day I listen to your podcast while doing my sales job. For some reason, I have I've had this song stuck in my head all morning and I can't remember the last time I actually listened to it, but it was saying the wrong lyrics in my head. And I've always done that with this song. I always, I sing the wrong lyrics going back to when I was a kid. So I get in my, my vehicle, I start up the box of oddities and you're in the thing in the middle talking about misheard song lyrics Mm -hmm. and boom, you say 400 children and a crock in the field. (laughs) Love your show. Thanks for the good times. Uh, Another box of oddities effect. They are everywhere. It's nuts. We could do a whole episode on box of oddities effects. It's crazy. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, moving right along. You picked a fine time to leave. <laughs> <laughs> what you got for me? I wanted to talk to you today about the Blemies. The Blemies? The Blemies was a term used to describe a group of people who appeared in written sources from the 7th century BCE until the 8th century CE. The term was employed by the Greeks, Romans, possibly Egyptians, and maybe some others in that region, to talk about a group of people from part of Africa, usually understood to be the Nubian region along the Nile River that encompasses the area between the first cataract of the Nile, just south of Aswan in southern Egypt, Mm -hmm. and the confluence of the Blue and White Niles. 
So they are a real people that maintained a nomadic kingdom in that region from 600 BCE to 300 CE. However, the stories told about them may have misrepresented their true nature. Herodotus, who lived between 484 and 425 BCE, wrote in his histories that they were known as the Akephaloi, or those without a head. According what? to Herodotus, okay. these people inhabit the western part of Libya, which is supposed to be very hilly and thickly wooded and teeming with wildlife. In addition to these headless people, uh, this part of the world is also said to be home of strange creatures like enormous snakes, donkeys with horns, and dog-headed creatures that aren't dogs, all of which, the historian tells us, are not merely the stuff of fables. Okay, but you can't just say that, right? You can't just be like, oh, this thing is real, and I'm going to tell you it's real. You, because it's real. Right? Because I said it's Let real. Let me sort the size of realness. Sort your sizes. The Natural History is a work by Pliny the Elder. It's one of the largest mm -hmm. single works to have survived from the Roman Empire to modern day. And it claims to cover all ancient knowledge. And in the Natural History... It reports that the Blemi tribe of North Africa had, quote, no heads, their mouths and eyes being seated in their breasts. Pliny's view of geography is similar, though, to Herodotus, in which the edges of the known world are inhabited by very strange creatures. And he also wrote about a race of people with feet resembling thongs or narrow straps of uh, leather. So they're owls, basically. <laughs> What, what you're describing. Well, they would, instead of walking along, they would kind of move along like a, like a, with a serpentine-style oh. gait. Ooh. So they would just kind of stand on their two legs and then... That's creepy. <laughs> really? <laughs> All right. So the majority of the Blennies were probably desert nomads, breeding donkeys and sheep and goats and having regular heads seated on top of necks. Mm -hmm. But they were described by some as occurring in two types, one with eyes on the chest and two with eyes on the shoulders. Tattoos, maybe? Where are their heads? Maybe they just duck down. They duck down. They're, they're tattooed guys that duck down when they're seen. Or they could be owls. <laughs> Probably owls. So there was a variant name for the headless people. Ta tattooed ducking down guys? Yep. Also known as epiphagy. 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 And that is sometimes used to describe just the eyes on the shoulder type of people, oh. not the eyes on the chest type of people. Okay. Isidore of Seville, who lived from 560 to 636, BCE explains that people believe that in Libya, Blemi are born as trunks without heads and have their mouth and eyes on their chest. Others are born without necks and they have their eyes on their shoulders. Hmm. So you can see there are many sources that talk about these headless trunk people. 
Where does this come from? I mean, originally, I know Pliny the Elder reported it, but uh, how do these how do these rumors get started? <laughs> where did they start? Yes, but what's interesting is that the stories of the Blemies uh, were illustrated and described long after their kingdom of people had fallen. Wow. So, as we said, there were real Blemies. Mm-hmm. And they did have a nomadic kingdom for a time, but long after they were no longer, people were still talking of these blemies, but their version had no heads. Is it like one of those things where mothers would tell their kids, you know, don't go out, the blemies will get you? I mean, it seems like it could have been some sort of folklore, but mm. it was never purported as such. The Hereford Mundi places the Blemi in Ethiopia, the upper Nile system. And they always talk about them right in the same region. Um, there was one account where they came from a place in Asia, but most come from this very specific part in Africa. These maps were drawn with not just the the spaces covered on them, but also symbols to oh. so you could recognize what's going on in that region. So you might have like uh, to to kind of make it simple, like Las Vegas, little palm tree. So like emojis. Yes. Um, and this region of Africa in this particular map is represented by Blemies with a face on the chest. Wow. Some modern commentators believe that the two different types of blemies represented are male and female blemies based on the... based on their, their, their nether bits their nether bits that are represented. Right. So that maybe shoulder eyeball blemmies are lady blemmies mm. and maybe chest eyeball blemmies are male blemmies. It's hard to say. Maybe, maybe the depiction of chest eyeballs is just nipples. So they don't have eyeballs at all? I didn't think that through. Numerous theories have really focused on the idea that Blemmy warriors, because they they were involved in maintaining this nomadic kingdom for some time, Blemmy warriors were known to have carried shields with faces on them. So maybe from a distance, the shield with the face on it, them ducked down behind it, made it appear as though... They were just a trunk with legs. That completely explains it in my mind. It does, except for, like, some of them would have died, right? And then you would have seen their bodies that weren't just shield heads. Yeah, I suppose. Also, if you get a side view, <laughs> you know, it's hard to to imagine that no one got a side view. I suppose. And it, the thing is, though, maybe initially that's what they thought. Mm-hmm. And then even when they found out about it, it was such a cool story. Sure. That they just kept it going. Well, maybe, you know, when you get beat up in a parking lot by a squirrel, mm-hmm. you might tell people that it was a bear. Sure. Right? Yeah, right. So you might be like, well, it's this whole tribe of trunk people. It wasn't my fault. No. How do you even fight someone without a head? I don't know. Yeah. Do you know? We didn't train for Get this. Get off my balls. Ancient Egyptian criticizing soldier type guy. As I said, the Blemies are represented into medieval times and beyond. Likenesses of Blemies are used as supports at... Norwich Cathedral and Ripon Cathedral from early local folklore. They're called misery courts, I think, um, which essentially is like a support on a folded up chair that you can still lean on during oh, prayer. Okay. Um, which I don't understand why you wouldn't just sit on the chair. Like, are you not allowed to sit while you 
pray or what's the anyway, I'm gonna have to look into that. Either way, writer Lewis Carroll is said to have invented characters based on objects that he saw on those representations <laughs> within the church because his father served in Ripon Cathedral. He was a, a canon, and it's thought that, in particular, the Blemmies inspired his Humpty Dumpty character. No way. Which, if you look at photos yes. or illustrations, probably not photos, but if you look at illustrations, it makes so much sense. I always thought Lewis Carroll's um, inspiration came from opium. Maybe it was a combination of things. Maybe. Maybe he was just... Maybe he's all at- jacked up in church, and he's looking <laughs> at this church pew, and he's like, whoa. Yeah. It's like a big egg with eyes. I hope he doesn't fall down. Wait. Well, what would happen then? Whoa, let me, I can let me jot, expand upon this. Jot a few notes down here <laughs> on the back of my service program. Do you have a pen, Alice? Thanks. Um, so there you go. Blemmies, real people, but they had heads. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> Blemmies, the inspiration for Humpty Dumpty. Um, and Blemmies, every time you said it, when you say when you would say the Blemmies, in my mind, I pictured like the Smurfs. You know, like for some reason, the Blemmies, it sounds like an animated cartoon series from the 90s. The Bloomies? The Bloomies, maybe. The oh, Bloomies. Man, that was a real Tobias Funke moment. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, don't forget the Looped uh, Freak Show which was this past Saturday, is available on demand. You can just go to our website, theboxofoddities.com, and the link is there. It's at a discounted price. And uh, we are also going to do another series of live meet and greets with this release. The meet and greet's going to be on the 28th, uh, but you can watch the show anytime you want. Theboxofoddities.com. All the details are right there, and you can learn more about Looped at looped.com as well. In our upcoming show, our new upcoming show on the Loop Network will be the first week of June. Yep. And we're kicking some ideas around. And we haven't, uh, this. I think we're going to do this, but we, we need to lock down um, a couple details. of- uh, Some details. you know. But uh, we thought this would be cool. You guys join us on Looped. We'll be at a tattoo place. And uh, you guys choose the tattoo and we'll get it there while we're telling you weird stories. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Slash terrifying. Start thinking of ideas and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you. To provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The Big Picture Questions and the Most Interesting Research in Science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people 
smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend, the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>